her husband, a 19-year veteran sergeant from the NYPD, died by suicide. She's here to tell her story of what happened that day, life afterwards, and her life-saving mission today. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to look for the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show all over social media. We're on Facebook. Look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On MeWe.com, look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On Twitter, follow LET Radio Show PO1. On Instagram, follow LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Gab.com, search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Again, our website is LETRadioshow.com. Hope to see you online soon. Calling us from the New York City area. We have Marianne McGinnis on the phone. Marianne, thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here, and it's also something I've been very anxious about. I have not wanted to do this interview whatsoever. I've done them before, and it's just, I'm going to let people know right now, this is a really tough topic to talk about for me personally, but for the grace of God, there go I, and it is a huge problem. Your husband, an NYPD veteran, died by suicide, correct? Yes, correct. And that's a term that I had a survivor explain to me that it was preferred to use that term. I hope it uh, is one that works okay for you. It, it say, you know what I don't like about this conversation, Marianne, besides everything, is mm. it brings out my cowardice. It makes, there are certain things that I have no problem doing. But when it comes to talking to survivors of those who died in line of duty or died by suicide, I'm an absolute coward, and I'm so afraid of saying the wrong thing. I understand. Thank you. And uh, a good friend of mine whose uh, husband worked for me for years before I got uh, transferred was shot and killed in line of duty, and she said, hey, the worst has already happened. You can't make it worse. The worst thing you can do is just ignore me and lock me out and not talk to me. That's, That's the truth. So this is a tough conversation. Uh, Let's go into, before we tell your story, let's let's talk about your husband. Tell us about him. Tell us about his career uh, and whatever you feel comfortable talking about. Um, No, I I very willingly um, don't mind speaking um, uh, about him and his his life. It's a good thing to talk about his life. For, For quite a few years, I wasn't able to. But now I, I, it's it's very helpful to talk about him and and to talk positively about him. Peter, uh, yes, he always wanted to be an NYPD police officer, and he became an NYPD police officer. He was living his dream. He started out in Queens. Uh, later on, he wound up going to um, Queens Task Force, where he had his wonderful partner, Jock, 
and um, continued on. He became a sergeant, uh, wound up in Brooklyn South Narcotics. Unfortunately, he did get hurt there. And um, he wound up at the 62 Precinct, which is um, a neighboring precinct for where we live. In some respects, his career mirrored mine. I got promoted to sergeant and I wound up getting hurt. And I had a, a what turned out to be a severe hand and wrist injury, although at the time I thought it was just a sprain. And from what I read, he had an injured hand, didn't he? Yeah, he, exactly that. He had gone in on, um, I think, uh, some kind of bust. And um, he wound up, when he got in, he wound up breaking his hand. And with the hand, he had all kinds of atrophy and everything else. And he... he was in an agony and it, it was his his left hand he was a lefty with that the doctors um physical therapy the whole works and he still had no feeling in his hand when he he had gone to the the board to try and get out on three quarters and um they deferred him which you know uh, he came home and he was bummed out and i said listen they deferred you i said god willing you'll feel better and it's not it's not, it's a deferred for six months and we'll see how it is then you know it it took i guess it it bothered him some because he wound up losing all his night differentials his overtime his second job right um so you know in hindsight afterwards you know the phone calls started coming in and i saw where you know we we were struggling um we would have gotten back on our feet of course but um if he thought that this was the way of saving the family he was so wrong because uh, i you know the money never came about and you know i still struggle and emotionally and for my children also right it and and i'm right-handed this is my strong hand as i say or gun hand Uh, Uh i had three surgeries two steel plates put in and People wouldn't know to look at me because I'm so used to this that I'm physically disabled. And huh. not only did it play the physical part, but it really messed with my psyche. And it wasn't just so much that injury, it was how it happened and all the cumulative violence that experienced over my career that it really began to mess with me and it began to mess with, and I'm kind of here confessing, which I never do, and it began to mess with my ability to have a relationship with my spouse, my children, uh, and our relationship started deteriorating. My career was on the rocks. I was being retired. I was 33, and I hate to say this, I can see a point where for some of these people, it becomes an option, and it's it's not a good option. It's a horrible option. Yes, yes, and uh, I, I, I really think that that's what was in his head is that you know it's my gun hand and and unfortunately he used his right hand um when he made that decision but um i could i could definitely see where it 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 messed with his head and he just felt that he didn't have a career to go back to when 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 the time would have been i i don't know what he was thinking Nothing about it's logical. It's all it's all twisted. It's all messed up. It's it's and it's happened so frequently. I read an article preparing for our interview that you did with the Daily Beast and yeah. DailyBeast.com. And I'm gonna yeah. be honest with you, Marianne, it brought me to tears. I want people in the radio world, in the podcast world, to think I'm a tough guy. I really do. Yeah. 
I couldn't. And is nothing about this story that doesn't is not a sucker punch right in the, the solar plexus. It, it's impossible to not respond emotionally to the story of what you and Peter went through, and then everything afterwards because there's a huge part of the story is after. Yes, 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 and yes, I know, and um, you know that's that's the reason why I, I'm here today because I, I want men and women that are struggling to heal what the family goes through. Because at that moment, whatever you're thinking, um, you know, if, if they could remember what I, I say and I bring to them, I hope I could help somebody to refocus somehow, some way. Uh, I really do. Um, and, you know, in 2019, I'm, I'm sure everyone is aware, NYPD went through a terrible, terrible loss of police officers case suicide. And We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Marianne McGinnis. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very powerful conversation about the death of a husband via suicide. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. This is Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. Return conversation with Marianne McGinnis on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Marianne's husband, NYPD Sergeant Peter McGinnis, died by suicide. This is a problem that's been going on for a very long time. And I, I got to warn you right now, this is a very difficult conversation for me to have. And I've had many guests on the show whose spouses have died by suicide. I've had many who were killed in line of duty. And, you know, there's a very gray line, in my opinion, a thin line, a blurry line separating the two. Because a lot of these these men and women, they come on the job in a certain state of mind and state of health. And by the time their career is over, they're all scarred up one way or the other. And many of them that die by suicide is directly impacted by three things. Post-traumatic stress, substance abuse that goes along with it, challenges to their career, their career status, and will go hand in hand with that, th- their personal relationships, their marital status. When all those kind of like collide, quite often, this is the end result. Yes. So before we went to break, you, you're talking about uh, 2019 and the NYPD, yeah. and it was a disastrous year for yeah. deaths by suicide. And, and, and every single time, I swear there were days, and it, it just hit me every single time. And... um Going just to go back a little bit, I um, I wound up getting involved with the NYPD Anchor Club, which is a, a beautiful organization, and um, they help the widows and children 
by bringing them on different events throughout the year. And when my husband passed, let's face it, the way that he did, I wasn't, you know, welcome, not that I wasn't welcome, I wasn't invited to events with the NYPD. And I understand, I don't understand, but whatever. But the Anchor Club doesn't see line of duty or non-line of duty. They just welcome the widows and the children to these events. So I was I was blessed by meeting this organization. And I've been involved with them. And going back about five years, I wound up becoming the widow liaison for Yonka Club. With this, the deputy, in, uh, at, a, at a Christmas event, I met the new deputy inspector of employee relations. And I introduced myself. I said, hello, nice to meet you. And he came back to me and said, Marianne, we've met before. And not realizing, because those were dark days for me, not realizing he was part of the SBA union and he was at my house numerous times trying to figure everything out and trying to help my family. I I just didn't place him. And from that moment on, he's probably saying, oh boy, I shouldn't have reminded her because I do. I call him often and I, I, I speak with him often and he became a very dear friend to me. And every single time someone took their life in 2019, I would text him and he goes, I was waiting for this text. I was waiting for it. I knew you'd be on it. And at that point, I reached out to him and said, something's got to be done. He said, and they are. They revamped the, the NYPD. They're out there helping in a lot of ways. They really are. I have to give it to them for that. And um, I said, but I understand that you're doing it that way and the people that you have went to school for this and they're educated and you know they're giving you textbook info i want to speak i said i want to go to these precincts i want to go to the organizations and i want them to hear what it does to a family and he said well if you're willing um let's do it and i started speaking at the organizations and um you know, it, it felt it felt good in a sense because for years that I would go to these anchor club functions, I would be with other widows, and they would always ask me, you know, oh, your husband passed, how did he pass? And all I would say was, he was sick, and I would leave it at that. Because you're talking, this is 2002, you didn't speak those words, and you didn't know suicide, and you know... I didn't even know how to explain it. I still don't know how. Uh, you know, I really, I couldn't tell you why. And um, I, that's all I would say was he was sick. And I kind of felt bad because I wasn't able to say that he died by suicide. But again, it, it, you know, it, it, it was just unspoke of. And so now I'm out there, and because it, it, it was so rampant that year, I, I'm able to speak and I'm able to say my husband did die by suicide, but he's still my hero in his own country. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, and we have a saying, it, it's not how they died that makes them no. heroes. It's how they lived and how they served. And that's the thing uh, that we tend to forget. i got to be honest with you, Marianne, when I was a rookie police in 1980, we weren't talking about this. And it was it was horrifyingly epidemic back then. And it was a nationwide problem. And and departments have been sweeping it under the rug for a very, very long time. 
they've gotten better about being proactive about dealing with these things. But what's missing from the conversation quite often is two things. Number one, recognizing the service of the departed. And number two, the impact and the stories of the survivors, meaning you and your children. Yes, yes. And, you know, I I remember back then, um, you know, here's my my parents, you know, they'll, they'll, they don't know what to do, how to help. Um, all they're worried about, you know, she has three. My daughter was one. The boys were four and five. I I was left holding a bag. And, um, you know, main thing, they kept me on life insurance at first. But that didn't last. You know, I had to, you know, stop paying for my health insurance. And, and I get it because, you know, I remember back then them saying, you know, I'm sorry, but this is how it is because we don't want more guys to think, oh, this is a way to take care of this, their family. And, you know, I do get it. I, I, I do. But it was still, I was still there and struggling. And, you know, again, like I said, these widows, God bless them. God bless them. No one should ever be. Um, you know, they were able to go to functions and and feel the NYPD around them and, and still feel that they were part of it. I wasn't. I wasn't. And, and it was so difficult. My children didn't know how their father died. And I, as much as I tried to keep the NYPD and the positiveness about my husband, it was difficult because I didn't have, you know, them so much. Thank God, thank God for the Anchor Club. Uh, I, I could never thank them enough for what they, they did, and they kept my, my, my children to see, look what a, a beautiful organization the NYPD is, and police officers, and look how they stand by you. And uh, I'll be honest, though, you know, through the years, I, I've, I've met more people in the department, and, and now speaking, they, they love that I'm doing this, and they appreciate it. And I, I, for one, I, I find it admirable. I'm very honored to have you on to talk about this because it is such a difficult, traumatic thing, A, to go through, which I, thank God I haven't had to go through that, but B, to be able to turn around and talk about it in the attempts to try to save other people's lives and families from going through what you had to go through and are still going through today. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today podcast network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. After our conversation with Marianne McGinnis on the Law Enforcement Today show, we're talking about the death of her husband by suicide, NYPD Sergeant Peter McGinnis, and the effects it's had on her and her children and her mission to try to prevent 
law enforcement first responder suicide is also a huge problem with our military veteran community as well we're in the break we're talking about your efforts with the anchor club and what you've been doing ever since and i believe just in the news today there was a nypd who died by suicide and it happens in new york chicago los angeles it happens in small towns it happens in precinct buildings it happens everywhere and i hate to say this it's almost even more alarming the amount of retirees that do this that are two three years retired that no one even talks about that at all because they separate from the job they're done they think life is going to be great they have nothing but free time and life doesn't turn out to be so great that wasn't the case for you and let's go back to the day whatever details you can tell us about the day be greatly appreciated and by the way if you don't want to go into a lot of details that's totally understandable as well also now people should hear. Um, so the day was great. I, My husband and I, when we first got married, um, I always wanted to have a boy first. I don't know why, I just always wanted a boy first. And I was lucky enough to have my son, TJ. And um, then shortly after, I wanted him to have a best friend. And I, I was lucky enough, and I, I wound up with Jonathan, and he got his best friend. But then a little time went by, and I, I wanted the little girl. And I don't know if if I was just lucky (laughs) or research or books or what have you. I was blessed. We were blessed with a little girl. And um, she she was one year old when this happened. And um, it breaks my heart because I wish that she had memories of him. You know, at least my boys have some memories of him. So the morning um, we got up and it was my, my best friend Valerie's birthday and Jolie's godmother and uh, I I got ready and I was taking the kids the boys to school so I put Jolie in her little car seat she came for the ride we went to school dropped the boys off and we decided we were going to take Val for lunch the girls you know the PTA and um, I came back home and I I said hey hon could you just drive me to the store real quick I want to get her um, something to bring her and then just dropped me off for lunch. So he says, yeah, sure, no problem. And the, looking back, the only thing that I saw strange was that um, he got ready really quick. So um, we, went to the, we went to the store, and I, I ran in, and I, I'll never forget coming out and um, watching him play jiggling a toy, I think it was his keys even, in front of her as she was in the car seat, just happy, just content sitting there. And I, I wish that she could remember that because that was the last time that she was with me. But I, I make her remember by my memories. And um, he dropped me off for lunch. And as girls always do, we talk too much, and I was late to get the boys from school. So I was calling his phone, calling his phone, and he wasn't answering. Luckily enough, all the women had minivans, and I jumped in a minivan. And um, we picked up the boys, and I even picked up a play date that day. It was a Friday. And uh, we came home, and I, I put the boys, I put Power Rangers on for the boys to watch. I put Jolie in her car seat, and she just sat there, always such a good baby. And I ran upstairs to change. And um, as I'm upstairs, there's all these envelopes on my bed, and I'm going, oh, wow, look at him. You know, he, he always liked to spoil me and the kids. He was always generous and, and warm and and I'm thinking to myself, what did he do now? You know, he always thought of bringing me a little something. 
I said, he probably got me like a gift certificate for my nails or my hair. And I opened one envelope and the letters to my son and I start reading it and I go, you know, I couldn't understand it. And then I open another one and it's to my other son. And I'm getting nervous and I'm calling his cell phone, but his cell phone is downstairs ringing. And now I'm uh, I'm on the house phone. Uh, I'm calling uh, my mom and dad were out in Long Island. I'm calling 911. I'm calling people off of his phone, trying to get in touch with anybody as to what's going on. And they were all letters. It was to my girlfriend, Val, and her husband, one from my mother and father, my three kids, and myself. And and I, I just didn't know what was going on. And I'm running around, and I, I don't even know what to do. And until I went outside, and I got to my curb when the police chaplain pulled up. And I'll never forget it, because nobody said anything. They didn't have to. And I just fell to the floor, and I, I knew it was too late. And, uh, and the chaos just broke loose, and the amount of people and police officers and, and friends, thank God for family and friends. And um, I know my parents couldn't get to me right away. They actually gave them a, a police escort to get in, and um, it, it, was, it just changed my world. It, it just changed my world, and um, yeah. How old was um, Peter when this happened? Peter was 37. And how old were you when this happened? I was 35. And your kids, you said the boys were four and five and your daughter was a year old. Yes. So it's safe to say they're all young adults now? Yeah, yeah, 25, going to be 24, and going to be 20. So when you got outside, first of all, Marianne, I can't imagine the panic. I've never gone through anything that would give me a point of reference to understand and have a comprehension of what that's like. And the only term I can come up with is panic because it's obvious what happened. But when we we, we tend to think, here's what I do. When it's obvious what's happened, I'm still trying to think, well, maybe this or maybe that or what if this or hey, we could do what. And it's, you know, it's desperation. But when you see the, the police chaplain show up, yeah, it's like being hit with a sledgehammer. There, yeah. I don't know if you're military and the military show up at your door. If you're police and police show up at your door, it's usually really, really bad. And it, it's yeah. it's like confirmation that the worst thing possible could have happened. How, I, I don't know how to ask this. How do you how do you breathe in and out when something like that's happening? Um, I have to be honest with you. I. I I, I I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I couldn't. The ambulance was parked in front of my house, well, down the block from my house for about four days because the panic and the, they had put me on oxygen, of course. But the the panic, the hyperventilating, I think I lost 50 pounds in a day. I, I, I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I couldn't breathe. All I did was cry. My poor parents to see you know, your kids going through that. And then my children, because you don't even know what to say to them and why I'm this upset. I couldn't speak. I, it wasn't until my family got there and we, you know, who was taking care of the kids upstairs. We, we came up with 
that dad died in a car accident because you can't explain suicide to an adult, let alone a child. That was the story that we were with for a while. And, um, yeah, it wasn't until years later that, you know, the boys got older and they started going on the computer and being a small neighborhood, people did know how Peter died and kids did know but my kids didn't, and I, I felt the need that I finally did tell the boys. We're going to talk about that when we return. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We're joined by Marianne McGinnis, her husband, NYPD Sergeant Peter McGinnis, died by suicide, and there's no way to sugarcoat this conversation. It's a tough one, but it's one that needs to be had. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. I'm going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We have a new podcast. It's called True Crime Fighters Podcast. Yes, it's another true crime podcast, but a little bit different. There's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very little is told of the heroes that fight horrific crime. Whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens, we tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters Podcast. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters Podcast. Subscribe today or check us out on Facebook. Do a search for True Crime Fighters. Law Enforcement Show, back with our guest, Marianne McGinnis. Marianne's husband, Peter McGinnis, was an NYPD sergeant who died by suicide, and he was 37 when he, he took his life, and you were 35, correct? Yes. And you've got two sons, four and five. You had a one-year-old daughter, and before we're in the break, Marianne, you're talking about, eventually, you had a story that you, you told the kids, because it's easier to explained that he died in a car accident. But there came mm-hmm. an age where they could, with the internet and us, they could figure out on their own and you had to break it to them. How, how does someone, first of all, I don't know how you broach a subject of, we gotta go on with our life as a family after this. I don't get, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, even to this point, and it didn't happen to me. And then you could decide to have this conversation with your children. Yep. How do you, how do you broach that subject? Um, You know what? I. I did it to protect them, um, you know, not to cause more craziness in, in, that was going on. And um, But like I said, people in the neighborhood knew, and I didn't want them to hear it from someone else. So I'll never forget the day, and my mother was just supportive as usual, but was also very, you know, hesitant and didn't want it to bring me back to that dark hole. And I said, Mom, it's something I have to do. And, you know, that's basically how I, I like, live my lived my life was it's me, me only, and I have to take care of these children, and I'm going to do the best that I can. So I, I brought them to their room, and Jolie was still probably only um, five. And um, I brought the boys upstairs, and I sat them down. I said, listen, I, we, have to, we have to talk. 
Um, nothing, you know, you did nothing wrong, but I, I have to tell you something about your dad. You know, he, he had something broken inside of him. Um, it's not like a, an arm or a leg. Um, you could see that. And when you see that, you fix it. I said, but this is something inside of him between his heart and his brain. And I couldn't see it and I couldn't fix it. Because if I would have, if I could have, I would have. I said, and that dad, you know, took his life. That's how daddy really did die. Um, and we cried and my mother cried. And, and I said, but you know, this, this, it doesn't matter how he died. Um, we love him and he, he, we were, we were lucky we had him for as long as we did. I was lucky because I have you guys. And, um, and I took them out to his favorite restaurant and we celebrated his dad's life. Their dad's life. You're making me tear up right now just talking about it. And, uh, look, I'm a father. My daughters are, are adults and, I'm not going to do what some people, I'm sure, have done. I'm not going to go into the why. Uh, and people love to look for motives and explanations. And, and all I can say is this, and I've said it before, in law enforcement, in the first responder world, here's what I know for certainty. that so many officers who die by suicide, there's a, a, a triad of things that occur. One is post-traumatic stress. And it's it usually a result of cumulative violence and cumulative trauma, not just one incident, although it, it oftentimes the last incident is a straw that broke the camel's back. And with that comes substance abuse issues, not all the time, but often. But also, really what happens is there is a beginning of a, an isolation from their family where they don't feel like they're part of, they, don't, they feel like they're a burden, that they're, they're not making things better, they're making things worse. They wind up in a situation where their job, they're either being retired, forced to retire, or in disciplinary action. And when all those collide, quite often, these men and women, my brothers and sisters, will resort to suicide. And it's as predictable as the day is long. And you think we'd get better at dealing with this and preventing it. And in some ways we have. And I think you telling your story is a big help. But man, there's a whole lot more that needs to be done. Yep. Yes, there is. Well, one of the things I tell people, if you're going to go to law enforcement nowadays, we all have a general practitioner we see once a year for physical. It's a good idea to have a physical every year. It's a good idea to have a dentist and go for a routine dental exam every year. And it's a really good idea if you're in law enforcement, no matter where you work, small town department, rural department, or big city, go to a therapist who is trained in trauma once a year to be proactive mm-hmm. i agree i agree and but, uh, that's um, all i'm saying i'm getting off my soapbox because it's not yeah. a comfortable spot to be in no i it, it unfortunately um i i did the best that i could to explain it to the boys and um unfortunately i had to relive it again and um it wasn't over there because i still had jolie and um when Jolie turned, I guess, 15, I, I don't know what was going on, um, but I, I I remember the day I, I she was on the couch and I said to her, you know, Joel, um, maybe it's time I, I, t- I got to tell you something. So she said, what, Mom? So I said, I said, Daddy didn't die in a car accident. I said, Daddy took his life uh, years ago. And um, 
I'm, I'm telling you now because I want you to hear it from me. Well, it broke my heart because that little girl that I thought I, I was protecting all these years went hysterical. And, and I couldn't understand it. And I, I said to her, but Joel, I said, listen, it, I know, I know. I said, but honey, we were so lucky to have him as long as we did. I said, it, you know, he, he was hurt inside. And she just was, I couldn't console her. And she finally said to me, Mommy, I'm crying because for all these years, she said, I thought Daddy died in a car crash and it was my fault. So I said, but why would you think that? She says, because I was a baby. And I figured that I was crying all night long and I would keep him up at night. And that's how he got into the car crash because he fell asleep. Oh, I hate that. I says, how, how are the kids doing now? My kids are good. My kids are good. That's um, a testament to you, by the way. That's a testament to you and your family. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're good. I mean, you know, there's always going to be something that will trigger it and make it sad. But I always tell them, you know, to think positive And he's always there. He's always with us. You just have to take the time to, to, to feel him and, and think of him. You know, I, I, I truly believe... Um, pennies from heaven and um it's funny because whenever we see a penny in the street it could be two-way traffic and i stop and get that penny because i know he wants to talk and 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 i talk and we we, that's you know i i always make it a point to do that because you've got to believe in something and you've got to take the time and life gets away and you know, I, I always try to make sure that, that I'm, I fill him in on the day. And not, not every day is a good conversation. Sometimes I'm <laughs> off at him, <laughs> yeah. you know. But you've kind of made this your mission now to uh, be a spokesperson and to be proactive and do your part by telling your story to try to prevent these from happening in other families. 100%. And, and you work, you know, was it the Anchor Club you work with? Yes, I work with the NYPD Anchor Club, and that's my second family, I tell you. And um, they're very supportive with what I'm doing now also because, you know, like I said, not many people did know. And um, I just, w- well, you know what? I was, I was very busy raising three little ones, so I, I couldn't help in any other kind of way. But, um, you know, thank God they're, they're all big and, and doing their things, and it just came to me and I said, you know what? Maybe it's time that I start speaking and people hear the heartbreak and the story. I think, you know? and I'm not a therapist, I'm not peer support counselor. I think that by you telling your story, it might offer a little bit of a, a purpose for you and what you've been through and maybe a 100%. little bit of healing. A hundred percent. Because like I said, you know, for so many years, I didn't speak about it and I didn't say anything. And I have to be honest with you, there wasn't even much out there that would help because I, I'm sure it was, it were organizations, but it wasn't spoken of. Uh, I'll never forget going to a, a grievance meeting and I sat there with women that were 80 years old that lost their husbands to to cancer or to heart attacks and I'm sitting there 35 years old I said this isn't for me they, they can't even understand what I'm going through they, they don't even know Marianne and, I'm so 
thankful that you came on the show to tell your story. I'm very thankful that you are doing what you're doing. And if you ever make your way to Florida, we certainly, my wife and I and you and kids or whatever, have to get together for lunch or coffee or something. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I hope it helps someone. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.